Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that would help us grow. Welcome to the Believe Podcast. My name is Cade, and today is a very, very special episode. I am joined by a man that a lot of people will know. The man is Dean Harrison. He is the number one guy, basically, in Australia when it comes to to Yowies. Uh, I have no doubt that everyone who listens to this podcast uh, knows who this man is. He is absolutely no stranger to the scene, and uh, I want to... I want to welcome him to the show. Dean, thank you for coming on to the Believe Podcast, mate. Well, it's been a long time in the planning. We've, uh, we've been talking about this for some years now. It has been. It has been. You've been a hard one to, to get, mate. Yeah, Rarer I, than a yowie, some would say. Yeah, it, uh, back in the, the earlier days, I, I said I'd never do a podcast. It was just something I had stamped in my mind. For what reason, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, as you wore me down and wore me down, <laughs> and actually Sarah, Sarah was the first, and... Uh, it wasn't that bad after all, but now here I am in Cairns. At yeah. The Believe podcast uh, building. In HQ. Live from Cairns. Yeah. So we're, we're lucky enough for, for everyone who's in the, uh, in the southern states of Australia, Queensland, we're, we're quite uh, lucky in the sense of COVID. So uh, Dean was able to, to make the trip up to, to Cairns and uh, have the, the pleasure of doing this in person, which is a, a very, very lovely treat because... This podcast is always done over the phone or via Skype, so it's um, it's a real treat to talk to someone in person. So thank you for making that effort. Yeah, I didn't realise when we went to book uh, the flight for tonight that it was school holidays and the grand final weekend. <laughs> so uh, I managed to get the last flight, which is at 6am, 
and uh, it was a, it was the last seat on that flight, so I was very fortunate to be able to make it. Yeah, it's uh, the the whole AFL Grand Final really messed things up for us. That was uh, oh, totally no, inconvenient for yeah, all of us. It, they really didn't think about us at all when <laughs> inconsiderate. We're, yeah. we're kind of a big deal. <laughs> so, mate, we uh, we have you here in person to to talk about a lot of things. We, we're doing a very special two-hour live show. Um, I'm, I just want to let people know from the get-go that tonight we're not going to be taking calls until potentially the end of the show uh, just because Dean has brought in an absolute goldmine of, of evidence, unseen footage, photos, and uh, some, some stories that, that haven't quite hit the AYR airwaves or, or blog post yet. So this is a... This is really exciting. So um, two hours of Yowie goodness with Dean Harrison, the man himself. So, um, Dean, you've got quite a team behind you now. Yeah, we do. We're, we're really fortunate at this stage. Uh, well, in fact, you know, we, we've been going for like 25 years or so, as you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of people sort of come and people sort of go. And really good people and some not. Uh, at the moment, we've, we've got a, a spectacular team, as most of you already know. Uh, we've got people such as uh, Gary, Gary Lynn. So we're actually going to get the, the, the pictures of your crew up here because um, these, these people do an absolute super-duper job. They do, and they're, they're not paid. Uh, they're exceptional in everything they do. Uh, and everyone has a role within the company. Within the company, we're within, within the organisation. Uh, now you can, you can see that that's Gary, that's Gary Lynn. Now you couldn't want anyone better on your team than this guy. He is the rock. You know, he is the the guy that can't say no to anything. He's this the, the can do guy. Uh, if you say you can't, well, he would say why not. That sort of personality. He's larger than life. And he's always there to lend a hand for people who are struggling, even if you're not struggling, I guess. He is that sort of individual where he would be the first person to help you down a waterfall or help you up a waterfall, uh, be there for you if you slipped, uh, carry your bags if you're tired or you've got a sore back, etc., etc. He's like a moose, uh, just a lovely, lovely guy. Uh, I'm really blessed for having him on the team. It, it, it's taking – myself and Gary are both these sort of people who look down a track and go, where does that go? And most people leave that. But you know, Gary will go, well, let's, let's, let's go find out where it does go or you know, where does that waterfall go or that creek go. And it could be on a downslope like so. It could be 45 degrees down, navigating down – terrain that you would never imagine going down. Normal people would, wouldn't even think of it. But, no, down we go. Uh, fantastic, fantastic to have on the team. Uh, but but, he, cry, but he, he cries a lot. He looks like a crier. I'm not going to lie. He does. He cries a lot. He's, he's a very emotional sort of fellow. It's usually the, the bigger blokes that are a little bit more sensitive. Scared stiff of goannas. Is he really? Yeah, yeah, he wow. is. And we'll hear uh, screaming out there in the bush. Uh, numerous occasions we'll, come, we'll go running. What is that noise? What is that? Gary, Gary, are you okay? Are you okay, Gary? Wow. And uh, there he is, all teary-eyed, shaking. 
looking up at a tree. He said, Gary, it's okay, it's a goanna. It's just a goanna. So we'd sort of have a group hug and rub his back and dry his little tears. Yeah, that's, that's important. You know, a lot of people don't realise the community that goes into this and to, to have that support team behind you for, well, give for vent- goanna attacks, that's important. Ventolin, a little bag to breathe in. Um, no, he rides a moped too. Did you know that? He looks like it. The, the top knot kind of seals that deal for me. He gets very excited when we bring out a camera. Yep. Uh, he, he loves being on camera. So we get a little box for him to stand on because he likes to be the same height as the rest of us. Oh, right, yes. That yeah. is so cute. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. And so we've got, uh, we've got Buck, I think. Yeah, so, so Buck is this um, absolute legend of a man. He, um, this was a gentleman who accidentally caught... The best footage, mm. literally, of a Yowie, possibly of any type of bipedal creature known as Bigfoot, Sasquatch, anything like that. Amazing. This guy needs to go buy a lotto ticket or something like that because that doesn't just happen. He's in the Yowie Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, now, he's a tremendous guy. I've known Buck for a lot of years. Uh, I think we first started going out in the Blue Mountains roughly about you know, 2004, 2005, perhaps, we had some great experiences out there, some good finds. And we'll show later, a little bit later, we'll show some Yowie footage or so a few stills of myself and what, what I captured following Gary in the Blue Mountains, Hazelbrook the Blue Mountains. Uh, I think it might have been 2006 or so. That was really, really uh, spectacular. But, uh, uh, Buck, Buck is a, he's the sort of guy that you want on the team because he's just got this one of these, these personalities that makes you laugh, uh, he's, he's cathartic to the group. Uh, he's got a story about everything, and he's got such a quirky, funny way of, of telling these stories. So around a campfire or in a group situation, uh, he's terrific to have. Uh, and again, you know, he pitches in you know, just like Gary does. Uh, he pitches in and he helps, and that's, that's the good thing about the group environment. Everybody pitches in for everybody else. Um, but unfortunately, he's a raging alcoholic. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. You, you um, can tell. I mean, the the thing is, when you capture a, the footage that he captured, how do you how do you go back and live a normal life after that? <laughs> you, you essentially become, you know, a bigfoot superstar. He's, he's a big drinker. The amount of times we've we've gone back to base camp and just found him stark naked or buck naked, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, dancing around the campfire, waving his hands in the air, like quacking like a duck. Um, it makes Gary cry. Oh, it, it's a full circle. It's a full circle. Well, I have to say, whatever he's doing, it must be working for him because he's the luckiest son of a bitch in the world. We'll get on to that later. We'll show some of the footage later about uh, of the footage and just get my opinion. So we've got Sarah coming up. Indeed. So Sarah is a, a fairly new addition to your team and uh, I, I have to say she uh, she's one of the most lovely people I've ever had the chance of talking to. Yeah. Well, as, as I said before, I'd never done a podcast and I wasn't about to start. And then Sarah called me, this is a couple of years ago, more perhaps these days, I can't keep uh, track of time. And she was just the most lovely, cathartic. And we, we just connected on this level. But it's just straight away. And I folded. I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do this for you. Uh, and, you know, before long, we had a rapport 
and she had a real deep interest, like a real genuine interest in interviewing. So I gave her a few witnesses to interview and she absolutely rock and rolled it. She was so good and people really adhered to her as well. Now, there's always a hard cause saying, this is no place for a woman. Really? Yeah. There's such a... Well, to begin with, you know, the feedback was quite misogynistic uh, because it's always been Paul Cropper, myself, Tony Healy conducting the interviews and, you know, over like a couple of decades. Then suddenly a female turns up. People didn't know how to take it, especially the ones that have been with us for all that journey. Yeah. They didn't know uh, whether they liked that or not. And then after they warmed to her, she's got such a massive following, not just on AYR, but in Yowie Central as well. Yeah, which is an amazing podcast. If ever, anyone who listens to Believe should really head over to Sarah's podcast, Yowie Central, because she does a, a fantastic job. And she talks to a lot of different people that I I don't I don't get the chance to talk to. Um and she just she has a different approach and a different angle, which is a really good point of difference. Well, she does. I mean, she she touches she touches the witness you know, and she goes in depth, uh, further and further about you know, how th- their feelings and the impact that it had on them, uh, etc. I mean, look, there's, there's so much I can say about about Sarah and just how fortunate we are. And another thing that she does is. Uh, She's taken such a workload off me in terms of the emails that come in. Uh, we have so 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 much mail that comes into the AOR. I can't keep on top of it. I mean, it's great that you know we've got Bark, we've got uh, Gary, and we've got Sarah that are looking after a lot of the messages on the AOR Facebook page. Uh, that's taken weight off my shoulders. But for Sarah to take a lot of the emails and do the interviews. It, it sort of frees me up a lot to do to do other things and get out there in the bush. Um, she's bald, you know. Looks like a wig. It is. Yeah. It is. It's, it's an atrocious 1980s wig. <laughs> um, no, so she's, uh, she's absolutely totally bald under, underneath that. Nobody knew that. Um, Incredible. Small children cry at shopping centres when they see her. And I know Gary cries. Gary cries a lot. I mean, if she wore, wore a turtleneck sweater... She took the wig off. She'd look like a roll-on deodorant. <laughs> shocking. It's just shocking, but people just don't know. Yeah, that's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of unexplained things that happen in the bush, and it very well could be just that your team is being spotted by bushwalkers. And this is the an explanation for a lot of the sightings out there. Has that ever crossed your mind? God, just going to make... Gary Cry again, I think. Um, yeah, so I mean, we have a terrific team. Uh, really happy. Everyone gels. Everyone gets along. We're all like brothers and sisters, really. Yeah. That's, that's how close we are. Uh, we talk to each other pretty much every day, if not several times a day. Yeah. We're very, very close. And, that, and that's probably something to, to talk about is that, you know, it's, it's quite evident that the, the camaraderie, that you have in your team is is excellent. Um, you know, I wasn't aware that that Buck has been with you for for so long. That's that's kind of interesting because he it's it changes my con- total perspective that you know maybe he wasn't lucky. Maybe he knew what he was doing. He was playing the long game to 
to capture that yeah he, he's been playing <laughs> playing it for 10 years and he just planned that down to the T but he could have had it any time but he's actually just, he could have had it any time but he's just, just been waiting for that point absolutely um, but what is what is genuinely great about that is you you bring in on these these additional members to your team that obviously frees you up to to do more things to to look at new ways of of you know finding this creature and I guess that's probably led to the the, the chance happening that buck Spotted this on the on the floor. Well, that was a that was an extraordinary night. The, the lead up to the night was extraordinary enough as it was. You know, how we how we ended up getting there. But uh, did you want to go through that at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So let's pull that up. Um, where would we find that one in the folders here? Is that this one here? Right. Now we're beginning there. That's actually Gary's footage. Okay. Gary was uh, let's let's start with Gary's footage. Let's start let's start at number one. Okay. That, that is that's quite interesting as well. Now we uh, we had a, an operation, we had several operations at this uh, area in Springbrook. Well well actually not particularly Springbrook, it was Gold Coast Interland bordering on Springbrook. We had a reason to be there, as if you had seen the expedition video, you'd know that. So we were there on, on this particular night. I was down below. Gary was up ahead, uh, up above, with the, uh, the new thermal. Now, I think that was the first new thermal that we bought. Up until this time, we'd had the Fleur. And the Fleur's been around for a long time. That was cutting edge, but it was kind of dying. And then we bought this new technology and it was so far more advanced than what the flare ever was so what's the difference between this and the flow because i i have absolutely layman understanding of of all of this and i thought this was this was a flow camera is this is this something different it's just a different brand same process okay so basically the same as a flare but different di- di- different brand now the the first flu that we had was we bought you know, twelve years ago maybe a little bit more no no it would have been about that and it was about with the lens and everything else it was coming on to about ten twelve thousand dollars and we thought this is it you know and and also it was illegal we weren't supposed to have it it was military grade according to the Australian standards or Australian authorities we weren't supposed to have this you know this is being used by the American police and the military over there. But it was only in black and white. It only had two settings of uh, focus, or sorry, uh, zoom. So it's one in, one out, basically. And you can go white hot or black hot. And that was about the extent of it. But at that time, it was better than what we'd ever had and totally amazing. Then this came out and we thought, wow, let's grab one of these. The flu was starting to die. I'd given the the, uh, the the new one to Gary, and he'd gone up above. Now Gary had heard some noises from up above, and then with the the thermal, he sees these two creatures come down. He said he was they were pushing things apart and they were walking by repeatedly as they were coming down. Now in this image here, you can see obviously two. Now, the first one seems to be coming down on either on his knees 
or such, and he's got both arms in front, looks like a head looking forward. The other one's got a hotter heat source, uh, heat signature. I don't know why. I don't know why why that would be. I have to go to the next one. So I just I have a question for this one here. So um, a lot of people that I talk to uh, when they they say they have these Yowie encounters or, or Bigfoot encounters, Sasquatch encounters, depending where they're from, of course. Um, they say that the the face is like fairly hairless to an extent. So would that have an, that much of an effect on an image where yes. hair would look yes. wider? Uh, yeah. Uh, hair will block to a certain extent. Now, Gary did an experiment with his own dog at one stage, and we probably show, show you pictures another time. But it, it showed that the, the thick coat of the dog, that hair, was insulating to an extent. And we also saw with some of the other images that Buck took later, a couple of months later, we can show those as well, where yeah, heat, heat comes out from different uh, orifices, such as the eyes, like the, the, the images that I took, or the image that I took. Um, you see the eyes were really, really coming out as, as hot uh, which is understandable. So, yeah, you're going to see more uh, of the immediate face, particularly, again, the, the footage that Buck took, when it's gripping around the tree, you, know, you can see the hand is obviously hairless, so therefore it's giving off more of a heat signature, uh, the same with the face. This, I mean, this was at a great distance. Now, that's, that's the difference. Uh, Buck was a lot closer. This is the great distance, and it was also up a hill. Right. Yeah, this is this is fascinating. Let's uh, let's continue because there is a, an absolute treasure trove here. So, here, let let me try to understand this. For me, for my understanding, we see them continuing down the mountain here. And um, for anyone who's listening to this in the audio version, head over to the website because you'll see the video uh, version of everything that we're we're talking about as well. But I see like potentially an arm moving down the hill here, and. Okay, here's here's another question because I need to. I really want to get a good understanding how these these things work. Um, would a creature's arm show up brighter if if he's been using it more? So hypothetically, if he's been using that to swing around, grow, grab trees, things like that, suspend himself, and uh, to to put it lightly, he's got a pump going on that there's more blood flow going there. Would he? Would that potentially show up brighter for him? I wouldn't think so. Okay. I wouldn't think so, no, because, I mean, if you have a workout in the gym, you're sweating all over and you're sweating from the head. I mean, that's the normal place the, uh, the body expels heat is from the head. and That's why people wear hats um, because the, the heat will come straight off the head. That's where you expend most of your heat, off the top of your head. Um, the reason for that, I don't know. I mean, perhaps there's more sparse hair there. I, I have no idea. But again, the one below, it still looks like it's watching Gary. Yeah. It knows there's humans there. Now, we did have, I think, two cars parked down below where they were in this image, in this image. So that is looking down. The, the, the bottom one there is looking down towards Gary. The other one's more of a sideways, but you still see the impression of the head or the heat signature of the head there again it's it's rather it's a little bit ambiguous but i'll just reiterate that it's far away it's not as close as what bucks was and then again you know 
you got that side-on view of one, and you've got some sort of heat source coming from the shoulder. Now, whether that means it has more sparse hair on the on the, uh, the top of the shoulder, I don't know. But the shape of the head is odd. I mean, you seem to have that, that protruding-looking, elongated sort of head. Yeah, and, and, and you can see this definite, this heavy slope to it. Yeah, and then you can see the arm coming down, sloping down from below the, the heat source. There's an arm, it's like a right arm that's, that's going forward. Yeah, this is... I look at this and makes me wonder, could this possibly be a juvenile hanging onto it? Yeah, it's a reach. I don't know. Can't call on that one. And then that, I think that's, uh, yeah, well, that looks to me, obviously this is an image from the right-hand side of it and it's reaching down with this left arm the heat signature is coming off its right arm and there's heat off the head as well. You see the left arm extending. You see it's, it's, it's clearly squatting. And again, I'll just remind you, this is at a, at a distance. It's incredible that you're able to, to pick up these kind of details from so far away because the, the technology must be advancing so, so quickly because how, how far away would you, at a guess say that creature potentially was? Well, it was in foliage on an ascent, uh, ascent going upwards. Uh, like There was a lot of foliage on that, that hillside. It would have been at least you know, one, or two, 200, one or 200 metres. That far? Yeah. Wow. At least, at least 100 metres. And, and the heat is showing up that, yeah. that clearly. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. And now a quick word from our sponsor. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Okay, so this is the, the, the first one. Everyone will probably remember Bellbird Grove. We did uh, an investigation there with a witness that had the two that came out in the creek. The, the younger one that was, uh, well, the, firstly, just set up is that this guy had been jogging down this creek, or this down this creek, in this area uh, for a, about 20 years or so, ever since he was a kid. And he's an athlete and he's, a, he's an academic and he's, like I always say, he's nobody's fool. Lovely, lovely guy. And this particular night, he, oh, sorry, afternoon, he'd, he'd gone down to the usual areas and it was during COVID, there was no one there, no cars in the car park. He came in through the back way so he'd get in because the, the gates were locked and he could hear this clacking noise. There's clack, clack, clack. And he's wondering what this was. And clack, 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 what is this? 
And so he's cut down into the creek just out of curiosity and instead of going down the, the path that he would, uh, yeah, he, as I said, he's, he's come down into the creek. Now he's walking along the creek and he gets to this log and he looks over the log and here is this creature, the, this creature that he's never seen before. And it's making these clacking noises above its head and it's clack. Clack, and he said that the actions of it were like a primate and a juvenile, the way that it was it was behaving, and it was doing this. And then it turned around, and saw him. He said the facial expression suddenly just changed, and it turns and it looks up the bank, and it makes these kissy noises, makes these vocalizations, sort of noises. And then suddenly, crash, 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 and out comes the big one. And this is the father that's been sitting up there watching Junior do his little thing going, yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> brilliant. Good job, kiddo. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Can't wait to get home tell your mother. Um, and so this thing uh, does this incredible Hulk sort of stance, uh, gesture, to our witness, and he said, oh, "I've got two cameras on me at the time." I said, "They're both. I've got. I've got two phones, and they're both two iPhones sitting in his back pocket." He said, "Not a chance. I was going to be hanging around for that." And he got out of there as fast as he could. Now the thing is that he was going down this track, and you hear the clack, clack, clack. Yeah. What had happened was on this track. If you keep going forwards. There's a big tree, and the big one, the the father, was sitting behind this tree, and he was looking out up and down the up and down the track. At the same time, he's watching Junior down below him in the stream. So, and this is a really good lesson for people when you're out there and you're doing this for research purposes. Uh, just keep this in mind that they will be behind the trees and always look behind you as well. They will be behind the tree. So this one's behind the tree and he's looking up and down the track, up and down the track, up and down the track, watching this one. But he didn't know, he didn't expect a human to go down into the stream and start walking up from that direction. He had no idea. He's up there thinking, oh, I'm watching the human trail, but the human's coming up yeah, the, right. the, the, the creek. So, so you know? it's, essentially he's flanked the Yowie. Yeah, basically, essentially, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, if it was turned around the other way and he kept going down that track, then Big Daddy would have gone to Junior. Junior would have been quiet. Daddy would have hid behind the tree and he would have just walk straight past. Wow. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Like these are, the, these are those untold, untold stories that you don't really hear about because the, the thing with these types of, I guess, encounters, things like that, is that people don't realise that they just happen to normal people. You know, like there's there's this absolute kind of oh how how do I want to say it? There's this I don't know. Uh, I guess theory that this only happens to to crazy people, to people who who uh, you know drink too much, smoke too much, that type of thing. Like Buck, yeah, yeah, like I'll, the the Bucks of the world. Yeah. I'll just get on a segue here. Because when I'm talking about this one that's walking uh, it's behind the tree, uh, ready for humans, waiting for humans, uh, be, and thinks he's on top of it because he's on a human walking track, I'm just going through this file here. 
I'm trying to find. I mean, it's, it's from here. This report's from here. It's um, okay. 1990 in Cairns. Now, a lot of you would remember this case where the woman was hit in the back by the Yowie and up this, on Red Hill. Red Hill. I used to. I used to live literally a hundred meters down the road from where this this happened. And so did Bill O'Chee. Oh, he, really? He, yeah, he had a huge interest in this story. Yeah, Bill O'Chee. Uh, he uh, he was a uh, a politician, uh, ex senator, ex senator. Yeah, for for Queensland. Um, and he had an encounter with a Yowie when he was a young child on a camp. Um, but yeah, this this one was a, an absolutely fascinating one because I could stand in my backyard and literally see where this encounter potentially happened. Yeah, right. Incredible. So the the, the backstory of this, folks, is that she was going for a walk up this hill trying to lose some weight. She it was, a, it was a walk that she'd done many times prior. There's nothing unusual. She got to the top of this hill. I think it's fairly bushy, or was at the time, particularly during the 1990s. And there was someone ahead of her, a, a, a male jogger or walker ahead of her, and he turned to the left and went down this track. Now, she's got to the crossroads, and she went to go down there too, and out steps from behind a tree, again a tree, out steps this thing watching him, watching him. But, he, but this thing didn't know that she was behind it watching and so it's turned around and it got such a fright because it, it thought that it was alone just watching him, but yet she was behind it. And so when it turned around and made eye contact with her, she said its entire face changed yeah. to anger, just, just raw anger on the face. And she was horrified, as she would be. And she's turned and she started to run. She's this, and she, she said, firstly, she said, it, it clasps its hands like fists and just anger, 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 anger. And, so, and it races towards her. She's turned around, she's running, and she's running, and it caught her within no time and pushes her in the back. And she went over the side of this red hill and she could have, she could have stopped, but she didn't want to. She just said that she wanted to just keep tumbling and just get further and further away. She got down to the bottom, uh, got straight back up on her two legs and over the school fence into the school oval and turned around and it wasn't there. Yeah, this is incredible because I've climbed this hill, would be hundreds, hundreds of times. And the, this is right in suburbia in this city. Like this, isn't, this isn't on the outskirts or, or anything like that. This is, from where we are, this would be a two-minute drive. But isn't there rainforest pretty close behind that hill? How long ago did this happen? 1990. It, it would have been still fairly populated. Because there's mountains behind this hill. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of residential there still. So the, the residential has probably been there for 20, 30 years, so... There's a good chance that maybe it was getting developed during that time, right? Then it would have been, and but there is there is still a lot of houses on either side yeah. of this hill. So it probably wasn't then though. Maybe, maybe back but in 1990. But, be, but still, there, there would have been a corridor from the mountain behind, yeah. which I, I believe is still rainforest because we get reports from the, that mountain, that particular mountain. Really? Yeah, we get reports from there. Uh, now there would have been corridors coming down. Yeah and led on to the Red Hill and this thing again. You know, getting back to uh, Bellbird Grove, where this image was that uh, we had up earlier um, and, and the, the report from our witness, 
it just goes to show that they stand behind trees and they watch us go past. So if they're doing that during the daytime, could you imagine at night time, you'd have no idea of seeing them. Yes, they are there, but we wouldn't know they were there. It's, it's a terrifying thought because a lot of people, especially in this region, because Cairns is so hot that a lot of people do night treks. And there is a lot of tracks around Cairns that are essentially through bushland. And it is a, it's a real scary thought for these people because who knows what's out there? Well, I, I know what's out there. Uh, and the other thing is that they are opportunists, but we'll get into that later. Now, just having a quick look at this 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 photo here that we've got up, you know, story behind that, and we've discussed this before. It was myself and Jacob on uh, a hillside. Gary and Buck were over the other side there. We had a few false alarms. You hear a few things and you go, oh, is this it? Uh is, is it go time? But no, it turns out to be a kangaroo and it's okay. Everything's good because we've got uh, ear mics for radio silence. Yep. We will communicate that way. So, okay, we think we've got something. Yep, yep, no, it's not. And I think it was probably about the fourth or fifth time of false alarms from the top of the hill, walking directly down, bipedally, no question about it, uh, pushing through scrub, I knew what it was straight away. It was completely different to everything else. It, this thing was walking. And we're in an area where there's no humans. There's, there's no, just get it out of your mind. And it walks down. I've, got, I've picked up the fleur, turned it on, and again, the fleur's ageing. Gary's behind me on the other side of the hill with the, the good new one. So now I'm watching it. I've seen it come down. I've watched it come down by a pedal. Just the last moments of it walked down. Now, this thing had head, shoulders, torso, and it comes down behind that tree that you're looking at right now. Then it steps behind, it steps behind the tree, and then it looks out like this with a head. Now, I can see it better in the, th- uh, in the, in the floor than what this image is. Yeah. Right? I'm looking at something better than this, and I'm thinking, "Oh my god!" And it did, I mean, everything was sort of so quick at that stage. Now he's pulled his head back in behind it. Now these are sideways movements, in like this, out like that, in like this, and we're talking about a shoulder and everything coming out. Now he's seen me. He's looking directly at me. Now there's a there's, there's the gully between the two of us. It goes down and back up again. He's over on the other side, but at a lower point. And he's looked straight up. We're in pitch darkness. There's no chance he should have been able to see me. But have a look at that. He's looking directly at me. So you think these creatures can see in the dark? Absolutely, 100%. And that's why their characters change at nighttime compared to daytime. And that is such a fascinating topic. Yeah, right. Okay. So these things are really in their element in the dark then? They are. And the Aboriginals will tell you, uh, in fact, I will find um, there's a reference here. Um, okay, this is from um, 1842. This is a, an article that was written in the Australian New Zealand Monthly Magazines and it was uh, re- regarding the, the superstitions of the Aboriginals during the time, which they, they used to call Yahoo or Devil Devil, which was the, the normal name for 
for the Yowie back in the in those times before there's a white man's uh, adaptation. Um, so yeah, first of all, it, it sort of starts off in this article and it says that the natives didn't like leaving their camp at night. If they did, they took fire to keep the Yowie away. The most dreaded fear was uh, attri- attributed to the Yowie carrying away women and children and leaving no trace. They could appear upon you with almost no noise. Now remember what Buck said that night. It arrived with no noise. It left with no noise. Uh, so, th- I mean, this is, be- this is being told back, you know, 1842 by an Aboriginal, uh, pretty much saying the same things as what we're saying today. Um, so the Yowie could ap- uh, appear suddenly and unaccountably uh, uh, pouncing upon the defenceless and maintaining a, ba- a baneful influence, which means um, harmful or destructive, uh, on human life. So therefore, they were really, really scared. Now, the, the last sentence here was, was interesting for me because it said, it will occasionally attack lone men at night in the dark, but it runs away during the day. And that's exactly what we see now because they don't have the confidence. They don't like being seen during the day, Right. So they'll behave differently during the day as to the, what they would at night time. They get very, very bold, and I've got stories about that. It's fascinating because individuals like myself will collect stories from people who have had encounters. But a lot of these encounters, I would say, I would say a good 99% of the encounters that I've, I've had on the show that re- relate to, to, to Yowies would all be daytime. And it, it's kind of... What are they doing? They're not attacking people. They're not following people. They're not chasing people no. generally, are they? No, Except not Except for the, 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 the difference was cans. I mean, yeah, okay, that was different. But he got a startle because he, was, he, he didn't like being caught out. Yeah. I only have one encounter on this podcast of someone being attacked or chased by a Yowie. No, sorry, I, I lied. There's a couple. But the during the daytime, it was uh, a lady... And uh, I believe it was in the Kimberley that it happened that this Yowie chased her down on a bike. And the only thing that saved her was the fact that another car came, a car came from the other direction and scared the Yowie off. That was the only thing that, that saved her because this thing was reaching over her shoulder. It was about to snatch her up. If, if there is an aggressive daytime encounter, it's generally when somebody is remotely in the bush and alone. Yeah, and this and this lady was because this was a uh, a route that she would take regularly. She would take her dogs, and her dogs would get agitated on that route, and she had to stop taking her dogs because they were just kind of giving her the shits too much. And the day that she didn't take it was the day that this thing basically chased her down. And she said it was so close; she was feeling the breath of this thing on the back of her neck. Now you, you'll hear stories that of their behaviour at night time that you will never, ever hear during the day. I can go into so many instances, uh, but the most classic example was uh, one of mine in the Blue Mountains, and I've told this many times before, and most of your audience probably knows this story, of uh, when I was interacting with this particular one and had other people with me, we'd already had an encounter and a sighting of him, and they asked me, they said, where is he? And this is perhaps one o'clock in the morning. I said, he's still here. He's watching us. I know he's there. And I picked up the spotlight and I've looked around in the darkness and I put the spotlight on and bam, hit him fair square right in the chest. 
Now, he wasn't hiding. He was in the open and he was laughing at us because he was so uniquely aware that humans are blind as bats during the night. Now, this is one that's had a lot of interaction with uh, humans because he's lived on the human habitat line of people for probably the last two decades prior to this happening. So he's used to being in people's backyards, et cetera, et cetera, and just used to people not seeing him at night time. He would never behave like that during the day. Yeah, right. So they're that bold, yeah, in that capacity. Uh, it shows you how bold in other capacities they'll be at night time compared to day as well. It's, it's, it's like a, a level of cockiness it, yeah, in, yeah. in the dark. It's, yeah. this, you're in my playground now. You play by my rules. Um, Imagine how many times we walk past them during the day. And classic example is what I was just saying before. Uh, at night time, what chance have you got to see them? You won't. Yeah. And during the daytime, they'll be there hugging the tree, one arm out, one arm out, and uh, all uh, standing on one foot, et cetera, et cetera, and they're out in the dark. The other thing is that they get away with a lot because they're in a human form. So yeah. if you see some, something like that at a distance, you wouldn't think twice. You say, oh, human. At a distance, um, you know, if you're walking by yourself during the day and it's hugging your tree and it's out in the distance, uh, or behind a tree and it sees you coming because it's watching you, sitting on the edge of a track waiting uh, for the next human to come along so he can hide from you, you wouldn't know. So just imagine at night time, you'd have no hope at all. How, how daring have you found these creatures to be? Have you... Because your your encounter is is quite an intimate one. It's uh, and it, quite an aggressive one. Very intimate. Yes. <laughs> um, did okay. Your encounter there did that actually change your impression of these creatures? Because were you were you thinking that they were that aggressive? Well, my first two encounters were not that spectacular. I mean, they were not so glowing in in terms of. Uh, of, of their character, that's for sure. I mean, but two very aggressive individuals. Uh, the one that hit me January 2nd, 2009, well, he was just another one. Um, now, there was another instance as well at Daisy Hill in, in Queensland. Uh, you know, I was, I was pretty fortunate there as well. Now, I've got a lot of stories about all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I've always maintained and I'll always say that they are attributed to many missing people. They are. There's, there, there, it makes no sense to say otherwise. You, know, you get a lot of people out there saying, oh, you know, the protectors of the bush, you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. Hang on, exhibit A, right here, right here. Leaving them alone. And no, it didn't leave me alone because I was leaving. No, 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 I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Not always. And there's a lot of other people out there as well that have had the same experiences. And I'm sure there's others that have had the same experiences that aren't here to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's really one thing that bugs me about um, the not the general public, but the 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 Yowie loving folk who kind of think that these creatures are harmless, because no wild creature is harmless, and these things are not the average wild creature. These things have an incredibly high level of intelligence. Yeah, but look this way: humans are biological, animals are biological. Animals kill animals, animals kill humans, humans kill animals. Uh, we all have that emotional side to us um, because, you know, DNA, but because we're biological at the end of the day. We're all biological. 
Um, no one's immune for, from it. So what makes them any, any more special than what we are? Of course they are. And we've seen it firsthand. Well, I've seen it firsthand. And I know of other people who have been on the, the business end as well. So no, there's, there's, no, no, it's not all cute and cuddly and coming, you know. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. No, it doesn't work like that. It's a, it does get up, my, my, up the nose a little bit when people. And it's, it's, I see it all the time. I see it all the time. And it, it is incredibly frustrating. Yeah, these are normally people who've never had a real encounter. Absolutely. It's just a hypothesis that they have on their behalf. Yeah, 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 most definitely, most definitely. So one thing that I always find really fascinating when it comes to talking to people about about Yowies, and I'm going to get your picture back up on the screen because this is a really good segue for, for this conversation and uh, again, for anyone who's listening to the audio only, make sure you jump on the website and check out the um, the, the video version of this. Is that for me? This looks like eye shine, but in saying that, it's not uncommon to hear that these creatures' eyes can be illuminated. Yeah. Okay. So, right, <laughs> their eyes. Now, here, here's another thing. Now, again, I can go back into uh, writings from the 1800s, but we'll just go back on to we'll just, we'll start with today and, and today's experiences, today's reports, and also my own encounters. Now, we don't know enough about the Yowie to say definitively what it is. We all have ideas, we all have concepts of you know what it could be. Yeah, it's, it should have been here two hundred thousand years. All of that. You know, it's spiritual, it's losing on, it's two different planes and da-da-da-da. You hear all this. Uh, now let's just get back to the basics, just, just the, the raw basics. Now these things we know can see at night time just as well as we can during the day. Now we know this because, well I know this because I've seen them in full flight, I've seen the business end navigating terrain that we would trip over during daytime walking and they're going 100 miles an hour, uh, re- propelling themselves through trees, etc. downhill slopes like this. So many people have, have spoken of their eyesight, well, being able to see the things that they, that they can do at nighttime, their abilities over ours at nighttime you know, compared to ours, which they're aware of. Now, you look at... The, the, the face uh, structure. Now, they've got the deep cedrical crest and the, the, the deep uh, uh, eye ridges, deep sunken eyes. Now, the reason the eyes are sunken so deeply in the head with those you know, big, heavy eye ridges is to protect their eyes from the sun and the light. Now, there's a reason for that, because they're super sensitive. Why else would they be set like that? Because they're super sensitive. The other thing is that they're very big eyes compared to ours. These things are like the size of golf balls sitting in these massive sockets pushed all the way back with these little umbrellas coming over each one. Like lens hoods, essentially. Essentially, yes. So, so you know, just that by nature says to you there's something unique about these eyes when people describe the eyes, the actual eyeballs, not just the size of them, they say it's just like one giant pupil. Yeah, yeah. Black, essentially. Black, black, black. So then, okay, so you've got that. You've got 
their ability over hours at night time. They're out there. They're active. They're, 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 not, they're not diurnal. They're not nocturnal. They're cathmeral, which means they operate day and night. Um, most of our dramatic encounters will be at night, again, because their personalities change at night time because of the reason we're discussing. Now, okay, so they've got this, this ability over hours, we think. Again, we don't know everything about the Yowie, but what we do know is what we're talking about. Now, the eye shine, fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And you can get different colours happening as well. We've even heard people say it's changed colour as they're watching. It's gone from yellow and then gone to red. What does that mean? How does it work? We don't know. It's, it's almost like there's a filtering process happening. It's, it's a biological thing, but is it, is it based on emotion, though? Is it based on emotion? Can that trigger the change in the eye? You know? So there's that, right? Then on top of that, We've got no moonlight, no starlight, no reflection. We're talking about self-generating light. Self-generating light. I have seen it myself. It is, it is one of the most unique aspects of this creature because the... The, the self-illuminating thing in, in the animal world is it's not unheard of, but illuminated eyes are. I mean, there is nothing out there. Reflective eyes. Reflective eyes, yes. But self-illuminating eyes in a pitch black environment, no. Unheard of. And the, I guess the, the thought of trying to look through eyes that are even lit up, how does, how does that work? Like, what is the, the mechanics behind that? Because it, it shouldn't work. It shouldn't work. But this I'd, thing is seeing you. I'd love to have all the answers, but I don't. All I'm saying is that here's just yet another tick to say there's something about the eyes we do not understand fully. Uh, you've got all these different things that I've put all those in the pot, everything I've just discussed, put all those in the pot, and it, what it comes down to is their eyes are different to what we can understand. Yeah, yeah. It's This is a really, really interesting topic. And I think what we'll do, we'll take a break for, for a couple of minutes here to, to refresh. But when we come back, I want to I wanna dive in on some of the, the, the stranger aspects of this creature because one thing that I hear all the time is predator mode. And I want to get your thoughts on that because I believe you may have a really good uh, I guess, hypothesis around it. And I don't think it may be as woo as uh, what a lot of people will think because from from what you've already told me tonight, I think it is it could be possibly one of the most boring explanations to why this thing is actually going predator mode. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au Or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash Believe UFO Radio. Until next time, stay safe and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.